Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. So awesome to be in worship with each and every one of you. Love getting to, to have Asa lead us in our opening prayer, have our, our children lead in that way. Lead us in, in, in dancing and song as we worship together. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing to be in worship with each and every one of you this morning. And this morning what we're doing is we're, we're launching into a new sermon series. This is the second series of the summer and so we're excited because we're going to be spending our, our time together talking about this question, why church? And it's about really discovering God together. And so we're going to unpack this over the next four weeks. We're really excited about how it will help us uh, answer this question in our own lives. And because I really think for any one of us, whether we're just starting our life of faith, maybe we've been on the journey for a while, maybe we're still exploring this, this life of faith. We, we find ourselves asking this kind of question often, right? Why church? And I want to start out by saying, well, the, the goal of our faith isn't just about having an articulate, well-framed answer about our faith. I think we should be able to articulate our faith and, and explain express ourselves and be able to witness to what God is doing in our lives. But the goal of our faith is primarily about living it out. It's about showing our faith to people so that it's real to us, but that it's also real to other people around us. And so, in other words, it, it makes a difference. Whether it's in our lives or in someone else's life, the reason why we're here, why we're gathered, is to make a difference. You know, I've, I've written a lot of papers and back in seminary and part of my ordination process. Uh, I've written a lot of sermons about faith, papers about faith, sermons about faith, but I hope more than ever, more than all of those things, is that I can learn to more faithfully, more genuinely, more authentically live my faith so that I can be a witness to God's living and transforming power today. That's what it's all about. So when we ask a question like this, why church? I believe it, it, it's, a pro, it, it's primarily about us really searching for something. And, in, and I believe it's, it's about searching to make our faith real. And it's also about making it alive at such a time and place as this. It's about discovering God. Who is God to me personally, on a personal level? Who is God to other people? What's my relationship to God, and what does God want from me? And even in the midst of these important questions, we don't pursue them alone. We don't pursue them all by ourselves. We're, we're called to pursue these kinds of questions and more in the life of faith together as a body of Christ. And I want to bring attention to the fact that uh, often our experience in our culture today is that it's very individualistic, right? We, we crave, uh, well, in the midst of that individualism, I think has its place, it's important. But I think more than that, what we find ourselves wanting, what we're looking for and searching for, more than this, this freedom to be uh, individuals and, and express ourselves, it is a sense of community. It's a sense of belonging. That's what we crave. That's at the core of who we are in our existence. And so there's this searching, there's also a, a longing and a seeking essentially to belong, to be a part of a relationship or to be a part of a group 
that accepts, accepts us for who we are, as we are, and it welcomes us into this community together. And so when we ask ourselves, why church? It's a response to, to our individualistic culture that leans heavy in that direction, but it's also a response to that deep desire to be fully known and to be fully accepted and included with other people. That's the gift that we have through the church that God gives us. And so one of those things that we, we get to do as the church is to help people feel included in the family of God. And God uses us to do that. God uses us to be a part of that experience, part of that existence in the world today. And so our passage this morning, it paints a, a, a very simple but powerful opportunity that we all share, that we all have when we emphasize gathering as fellow believers in Christ. We're going to talk about that word gathering this morning and, and why that's important for us as a church. And so we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 19 through 20. And if you want to open your Bibles to that, we encourage you to do that. If you don't have a Bible, we have free ones to give to you so that uh, you can be more, more intentional about reading God's Word and beginning to apply it to your everyday life. So we want to help you get familiar with that Bible. And of course, you might have a, a favorite Bible app that you want to use or reference to take notes and highlight and all that fun stuff. So we encourage you to use all of those things. If you have none of those things, we'll have this passage on the screens for you to look at and to read together. So we're going to be reading from the first gospel in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 19 through 20. And this is what it says. It's a short passage. It says, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and you make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. And everyone said, thanks be to God. What I really love about this passage, not that it's just, it's short, but it does a really incredible thing, it helps put succinctly a, a perspective about what is possible in the life of faith. Let me ask you a question. How many people does it take to be the church? How many people does it take to be the church in the world today? Is it 10, 20, 80, like we're worshiping probably right now? Notice I didn't say, how many does it take to go to church? How many does it take to be the church? We get a clue in our passage this morning. It's simply two. It takes two people to really be the church. And I want to unpack this very simple understanding, right? When we look at the Bible, the Bible has always been about two primary relationships, it's about our relationship with God, and it's about our relationship with each other. And so when we look at the beginning of the Bible, there's a story of God breathing life into creation. There's this intimate relationship between God and God's creation. And at one point, that relationship is distorted. Essentially what happens is we, we turned away from God. We said, God, we don't need you anymore. We're going to do everything in our own strength and in our own power. 
And consequently, that distortion of our relationship with God begins to affect our relationship with each other. We begin to harm and hurt one another. We begin to sin against one another. I got an amen for my daughter in the back. And even in the midst of this, the good news is, is that God has been pursuing us even in the midst of that sin. Ever since this beginning where this distortion of, of who we believe we were in relationship to God and in relationship to each other was distorted, ever since God has been seeking to redeem us and heal this relationship that we are to have with God, to save us from this distortion in our life. And that redemption, that healing that we can experience with God is then also supposed to extend to the relationships that we share with each other, right? And so God modeled what that was supposed to look like through Jesus Christ. Jesus taught us what it was like to commune with God, but also to commune with each other in a healthy, whole, and loving way. God models through Jesus Christ what's possible, what's possible in the world when our relationship with God is put back in its proper place, right? Well, this is the, the idea that we talk about, the, the, the word righteousness, and maybe we have a bad baggage about this word righteousness, but what it simply means is, is that we're in this undistorted, we're in this right relationship that we are called and, and created to be in with our Heavenly Father, and we're walking rightly in that understanding and in that path. So we walk in righteousness with God, and it transforms our experience. It transforms how we relate to God, but more importantly, it transforms how we relate to each other. And so what Jesus could have done is he could have done ministry all by himself, right? He could have done all the things that Jesus, that we're told Jesus was able to do through the Gospels all by himself. But what's interesting is that we consistently see in the Gospels that one of the first things that Jesus does as he formally begins his ministry, one of the things that he does is he gathers people to himself. Jesus gathers people to himself. He wants people to be able to, a part of what his ministry is and what the ministry will become, what the church will eventually be. Jesus gathers people around him. You know, I've heard it once said, you can't be a leader if no one's willing to follow you, right? Some of us like to, to, to think that we're leaders in this arena or that arena, but if you don't have anyone following you, I don't know if you can call yourself a leader, right? Jesus was very intentional about leading God's people, showing them an example of what it was like to live in relationship with God, but also to live in relationship with each other in a whole, healthy, and loving way. And so Jesus intentionally gathers people around himself in order to show and share what it was like to be in this right relationship with God. And so there's this power and purpose that, that Jesus is trying to model by serving God's mission to redeem the whole world, right? We've been talking in uh, previous weeks about how God's movement has always been to be closer to creation, right? And that's part of the work that, we, that God invites us to be a part of. 
as the church, as followers of Jesus. What Jesus modeled, we're supposed to follow. Jesus leads us even today and what that looks like so that we can bring people, move people closer to God. It's an amazing opportunity. And we learn that even in the midst of Jesus's ministry, he sends out his disciples to begin practicing, right? He's been teaching them and, and equipping them, and he's been sending them out to different areas in order for them to practice what's being preached. And guess what Jesus does when he sends them out, right? He doesn't send them in 12 different directions. He sends them in six. Think about that for a second. Not 12 directions, I'm sure there were more disciples than the 12 that we're familiar with, but for the sake of the argument, 12 directions versus 6. Why do you think that is? Jesus never sent them alone. He sent them two by two. They were always to be paired up together. And then when we keep moving forward in the story of Scripture, we move to the book of Acts, and we see that the early church is beginning to form. And, and it it's forming with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's what we talked about in our last series. And, and Jesus is telling them to stick together. There's something important about sticking together for the sake of me, for the sake of Christ. That they will know you, that you are my disciples by your love, but also in your oneness, in your unity together. That's what's going to bear witness to the world that you are in fact my followers it's this gathering and it's this sticking together and we continue the story continues and many of paul's journeys were with other believers right in order to start new gatherings in different regions around the world starting these new gatherings these churches of people following the way of jesus and this is important for us to to, to know and to remember that churches weren't meant to be places. Churches are meant to be a gathering of people who believe and live out the way of Jesus. You know, we, we've gotten so uh, uh, comfortable and attached to the idea of church. I'm going to church. When we're called to be the church. And you cannot be the church alone. You can only be the church with other people. And so what we see in just these two sentences of scripture, we see all these things summed up. We see that there are two primary relationships that are joined together for a common radical purpose, to welcome and include people in this redeemed relationship with God. And we're told it, it's pretty simple. It takes you and God, which means it takes a prayer. It takes a connection with God to know God's heart, to be led by God's heart, to live out this faith. And it also requires one other person. It takes at least two or three people. Now, whether you're doing those things together or whether you're in service to another person, it's always about a relationship between you and God and you and other people. And so this is how God chooses to work. This is how, this is the only way that God works 
it is through these primary relationships, through God and through each other, in order to continue this work of redemption, in order to welcome people into the loving family of God. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And I think we do some of that well, but we still have lots of ways in which we can grow. God's going to grace us and gift us to, to be the church at such a time and place as this in our community today. And I really believe that this is one of the, the primary functions of our church. The reason why we church is to draw people together and have God take action in our lives like our, our passage encourages us and promises us. And I, I believe that this is the kind of church that, that Mountain Park is striving to become. It's not just a place to gather. It certainly is those things. It's an important thing. But more importantly, it's about a gathering of people who want to see God take action in their lives and also take action in the lives of others. We were praying during our, our life group before service, and, and I always think that it's kind of aggressive language we, for us to take action into people's lives. And as we were praying together, it kind of came to me that, that that might seem bold, that might seem arrogant or presumptuous, that we would know how to take action in someone's life. But, it, but we're reminded that if we make a prayer of it, if we think about our connection with God and we let God move us and inspire us and help us discern the ways in which God is already at work, we're partnering with God. God is already at work doing something, and God calls us to come alongside and to continue that work. And so it's God taking the action. And we're willing, we're bold enough to step in and to show up in people's lives, to be this real, tangible expression of God's love. We talk about that a lot. This is what it means to, to walk with God and to walk with each other. It's not presumptuous or arrogant. It's, it's taking a posture of humility and being open and willing to serve God at any given opportunity. And so this is that kind of opportunity because it encourages us in some ways to imagine new and relevant ways for us to be intentional with engaging our surrounding community and even begin to expand with our surrounding neighborhoods, and even expanding our understanding of what gathering in Jesus' name can and could look like as God seeks to take action in all of our lives. I think it's a wonderful thing that we have uh, this dedicated building that generations before, certainly me, some of you are still a part of it and have been a part of it, about helping this become a place, a sanctuary for people to, to come as they are, to be welcomed into the family of God, to begin discovering who God is and what God has planned for their life. But as, as wonderful as that is, it's a place, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a center, it's a hub, it's a place where we gather so that we can go and gather in other places in our communities in our workplaces, with our families, right? We begin to imagine that really anything is possible with God. If it's as simple as what the scripture tells us, that we make a prayer, we're intentional with where we are, when we are, 
And we say, hey, you know, can God be a part of this moment? Am I willing to let God be a part of this moment? And am I willing to share it with someone else? That's this radical idea of what the church can be and what the church should be. I want you to think about or imagine what would happen when disciples of Jesus Christ begin to gather in all areas of life, in our neighborhoods, and, and begin to build Christian community. We can go anywhere. We can begin to gather in homes. We can gather in coffee shops, restaurants, yoga studios, sporting events, and maybe even more places that God is calling us to gather in our day-to-day lives, to begin building relationships with new faces and maybe in some new places. Maybe it's the same old faces in the same old places, but we've never invited God to be a part of those intentional moments where God's at work and we can take action in people's lives. So the question remains, why church? I think the world is desperate for a, a group of people who are willing to welcome them and include them just as they are. We don't want to leave them there. We want them to experience God's presence, to be transformed, to be healed and redeemed. That's been God's plan, and that's going to continue to be God's plan. We want to give them real life. We want to give them real meaning to that life. And we want to give them a real community where they can begin to learn and grow in living Jesus and loving community. We can actually begin to live into the, some of the things that we talked about last week where we seek to be humble. We seek to be vulnerable with each other. We had another great discussion in our life group talking about Jesus as a great physician. We take a lot of trust. It takes a lot of trust for us to be vulnerable with our physicians about our health. Some of us lie to our physicians, right? Because it's just so sensitive. It's so personal to who we are but be able to open ourselves to that person to, to provide care that we desperately need in our lives. And when we proclaim Jesus as our great physician, we have to have that same kind of trust to let Jesus into our lives, to kind of point out those, those rough places, those difficult places, those harmful places in our lives, not to condemn us, but to heal us, to save us from those things. So that we can be redeemed. We can let Jesus heal us. And then we can be an extension of that healing to other people. That's the opportunity that we have. Here at Mountain Park United Methodist Church, we believe that we are called to intentionally gather to build Christian community. What makes the Christian community look different than any other community? It's simply this, where Jesus is at the center of helping us connect with God and helping us connect our community in order to transform lives. We want to be really intentional about that. We want to play church or talk church. We want to live and breathe the calling that God has placed on us as sons and daughters, as siblings in Christ, as children of God. This is who we are created to be and to become. So when we gather together and when we make a prayer, when we intentionally make God our focus, 
there is a promise. And the promise is that God shows up in remarkable ways. Amen? Amen. I want to take a point of privilege real quick to, to somewhat shift gears, but not too much. But we are looking ahead to another series called Asking for a Friend. <laughs> Questions you want answered but don't want to ask. Anybody ever done that? You know, I'm asking for a friend. They kind of want to know, you know, what would you do in this kind of situation? Kind of an idea. So this is kind of a broad idea for a series. But it's, it's really about, you know, just as much as we want you to be asking the question, why church? Why is church important to you? And you beginning to understand what that means to you. We also want you to be thinking about why not church? Why aren't people here? Why aren't people flocking to this good news that we have, this hope that we have in Jesus Christ? We now know that part of it is making sure that we're going out there, we're making a prayer out of our lives, and together we're showing up with God, right? That, that's part of it. But maybe there are questions that you'd like to ask, Maybe there are questions that people you know would like to ask. Maybe they've asked you and you're not quite sure and you want to pass it on. And, and we want to begin to solicit those kinds of questions. Questions about God, questions about the church, and questions about faith. And I think this is an awesome opportunity for us to make a prayer of it, right? To begin to invite God to be a part of this moment, a part of this process, and begin to think, what questions do I have that are preventing me from going deeper with God? As well as, who is God calling me to intentionally connect with? You know, it's, it's not just mining for questions. It's an excuse to, to be more intentional. To dig a little bit deeper into the, the lives that God has given you in and around your life. And maybe it'll result in them asking a question. Maybe it won't. But it's an important opportunity for them to ask, why aren't they a part of this gathering of people that have been redeemed, that are experiencing healing, that are loving the world? So maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse or a child. Maybe it's a dear friend, a coworker that have questions about the life of faith. And so we want you to invite them to, to ask those questions, and you can do that online. We're going to be launching our new website, and that'll be coming soon, but right now it's posted, pinned to our Facebook page. So if you don't know uh, that Facebook page or you don't like it, uh, look at it, like it, but more importantly, engage with this question, with this survey, really, and begin to promote it, begin to have this posture, this inquisitive posture and it really will equip you to have an opportunity to say, hey, listen, you have questions about the church. My church is taking questions. And, and what we're going to do and end up doing is that we're going to end up compiling all of those questions. We're going to categorize them, see where the common trends are, and try to form responses to those questions. And so it's a great way not just to ask the question, why not church, but to say, hey, my church is going to take seriously the questions that you may have. And try to help form responses to that so that it can help you understand your role and your relationship to God and to each other. Does that make sense? We want you to be a part of that. So if you have questions or if you know people that have questions, please fill out. It's an anonymous survey. 
It's a Google form. You type in the question, you hit enter, and it sends it to us. No email, no nothing. And it's going to begin to populate this survey. So we are asking for your help in this way. Help Alinda and I prepare for this upcoming sermon series. It's going to be launching on August 11th, Sunday, August 11th, the Sunday after, excuse me, our back-to-school Sunday. So anyways, I want, to, I want to make that opportunity available to you. I'm going to keep making that invitation each and every week as we gear up towards that because we really do care about what's going on in people's lives. What kind of questions are they asking? How can we serve them better? That's what this is about. So won't you join me in praying for this and for yourselves and for our community? Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for this morning. And God, which we are gathered together. God, yes, we are here at church, God, but we are only the church because people are here filling it. God, we are called to be the church, to be your church. So God, stir in us a passion and a desire for us to be more bold, to make a prayer out of every aspect of our lives, to give ourselves over to you, to give ourselves to serving other people so that people would know us by your love that rests in us. And God, that we can confidently and boldly point to where it comes from. God, that we can ask questions and we can encourage other people to ask questions. God, because you so desperately want to move closer to us. God, help us move closer to you. God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. As we sing this next song, Oh, How Good It Is, there are so many phrases in this song that remind me of, of how good it is when we gather together and why we should gather together. Uh, and one of the reasons I do is, is to be with you all. And um, y'all encourage me, and I hope that we encourage y'all through these songs. And it remind, this song reminds us that we rejoice with the happy and weep with those who mourn. The weak find strength, the afflicted find grace when we offer the blessing of belonging. And it goes on to talk about when we sing to the Lord that we will do this until the whole earth sees and knows that the Redeemer has come. And it reminds me of a devotional I heard about uh, Ephesians 5.19 talking about speaking to one another in, in hymns, songs, and spiritual songs, and that's one of the ways to be filled with the presence of God. And, and he was talking about how, yes, we sing to the Lord, but we also sing to lift up each other. And as we're praising God, the person next to us that might have gotten really bad news that week can be encouraged, or the person that's, that uh, has a new diagnosis, that they're not sure how to continue, that they can hear these words sung about the Lord and be comforted and be encouraged. And so as we sing this next song together, I hope that you will take that time to, to think about that we're praising God together, but we're also lifting each other up as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And oh, how good that is. So please stand and join us. <laughs> 